I'm communicating with you non-verbally. Such communication is not very clear. What might it mean? Could it be some secret religious sign among those who worship the triune God? Are we those who gather to, to adore Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Maybe that's it. Could it be today's date, December 31? Anything significant about that day? Any different than any other? Or could it be that there will be three components in today's message, all centered around the one and only Jesus the Christ, given to you by today's substitute preacher? I am trusting that you will be nicer to the substitute preacher than some of you were to the substitute teacher back in the day. You know who you are. Well, I hope the, the communication will be clear, uh, much clearer than, this, than in this little three-in-one story. So these three guys set out to go deer hunting, a trucker, a doctor, and a pastor. So they're all out there in the woods, they're ready, they're excited. Along comes a big buck. They all raise their guns and shoot. Down goes the deer, the men go running up, they're so excited. And on the way, just as they're getting there, the trucker says, well, I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty sure I was the one that got him. I'm the veteran hunter, I'm, I'm the best marksman, I, I think it was me. And the doctor says, well, don't be so, don't be so sure. I, you know, I'm, I've been practicing, and I, I had a pretty good look. It, it might have been me. Uh, in fact, let me, let me take a look at the animal, being a physician. I'll kind of do a quick examination of the body, and we'll, we'll see what's what. Well, it doesn't take the doc more than a few seconds. Looking it over, he stands up and says, there's no question about it. It was the, the pastor uh, that got the uh, successful shot because it went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, a pastor always hopes that the message will not be just uh, in one ear and out the other. And in fact, our confidence is that the Holy Spirit will accomplish something good uh, among us in these minutes. And I do want to say thanks for coming on such a brutally cold day. Nice of you to be here. Well, let's start with some consideration of, of today's date, December 31. Last day of the year, and tonight is uh, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is not a, a, a Christian holy day. It's not on the church calendar like uh, Christmas, Epiphany, Easter. It just happened that uh, it fell on a Sunday this year. Yet I'd like to suggest to you that December 31 can be a very valuable uh, faith day. Now, for many people tonight is just, uh, you know, pop the cork and dip out, back a drink and just be briefly glad that you survived another year. But I think it can be so much more. It's one of the, the very few natural mileposts uh, in a year, in a person's life, when you can stop and, well, think about it a little bit. 
you know, do a little spiritual uh, inventory. Uh, maybe ask yourself a couple questions. I mean, it's really only the start of a school year that might happen. You know, kind of the end of summer, you're going to start new, you're going to reshuffle the deck, you're going to make some plans. The only other time during the whole busy year is, is now, New Year's. So you might ask yourself some things like, how's your life going? It is, it is going, you know. I mean, whether you are just a, a little ways into your earthly journey, or whether you're in that big, broad middle, or maybe you're out there with a lot of miles on the tires and way more of life behind you than ahead of you, the truth is it, it's going. It's moving along. Well, now's a good time. Stop and think about that. Are you growing, blossoming, producing? Are you giving the Father a good return on his investment in you? Are there things that should be dumped? Are there things that now's the time to add them in? Going to be anything new about the new year? Well, think about it. It's a good time to do that. In fact, it'd be really good to talk it over with your eternal friend, Jesus. He'd love to hear your plans. And for just a little bit of practice, let's do this. Lean over and tell your neighbor one thing you would like to see happen in 2018. Okay, I'm only going to give you 10 seconds. Lean over, tell your neighbor one thing you would like to see happen in 2018. Okay, well, some of you are uh, thinking about it. Some of you said something. I realize that this is just a New Year's resolution. You know, those die pretty quick. But if you take some time to think and pray and tell a few others about it and maybe write it down, then maybe there's some value to that. In fact, even if most of the message is in one ear and out the other, if I've prompted you to do some spiritual inventory about your life, I'll take that. Because life does go pretty fast. In fact, not that far down the road, there'll be a marker somewhere with your name on it, a kind of tombstone. A tombstone has the name and then two dates, huh? There's the birth date and a little hyphen and the death date. Odd, isn't it, that a person's whole earthly journey is somehow encapsulated in that little, that little hyphen. I lost one of my best friends this year, Steve Ellerbush, 1949 hyphen. 2017. That hyphen goes fast. Like the good book tells us that we blossom and flourish like the flowers and then pass. So make some good plans for this year. There can be value in a December 31. Well, now let's dig into uh, today's word from the Lord. The pastors have been doing a series on the Gospel of Luke. And today we find ourselves in Luke chapter 8, a parable of Jesus. A parable is a story 
uh, not like the dumb jokes I tell, uh, not like a fable with a moral. Uh, a parable is a story that's meant to reveal some of God's truth uh, about life. And this one's called the parable of the sower. Some of you have heard it lots of times. Some, maybe not. But in this story, first you've got to get your head around the idea of a sower. You would have to time travel a good ways back into history to, to see something like this. I mean, here in the 21st century, we've got these Mongo tractors and 16-row planters and all of our superior technology. Uh, but when Jesus told this story 2,000 years ago, uh, the method looks archaic, but the truth that's taught uh, still persists. This farmer goes out and scatters seed on a variety of soils. And as the story goes, uh, some take root and grow and produce, and some don't. And we get that. We see that in ourselves, in people we love, in the world at large. So let's, let's break it down and, and let the Spirit break through to us. So in the parable, there are three key parts, huh? and each starts with S. It's kind of a three S parable. Now, there's nothing in there really about the sunshine or the seasons, which our gracious Creator provides to have life happen. But in the parable, three vital variables. There is the sower. Can't have the story without that. There is the seed. And there is the soil. Consider first the seed. What a humble thing. What a non-impressive looking thing. I could hold up for you a watermelon seed and you wouldn't even see it from where you sit. It would look like a little clot of dirt off your shoe. It would just lay there, looking dead. But in the genius and goodness of God, that seed contains within its tiny self a life and a power to produce amazing things. From that one seed, a whole vine of watermelons the king of fruits, the bestest of all fruits on the Chris Brecky scale. And we could all line up after church and each be very happy to get a slice because that seed was sown. What an invention. What a God to come up with such a treat for his beloved children. There's life and power in the seed. Now, the seed in the parable is the Word of God with dynamic, if humble, power. The message of Jesus' redeeming love brings life out of death, out of nothingness. It's there in the seed. And without the seed, you'd have empty fields and bare soil and lots of death. <coughs> the gospel of Jesus injects brains and hearts with hope and joy day by day all over the world. Power of salvation is in the seed. Ah, what a gift to us. For in our wounded and dying world, there's all kinds of weed seeds out there being sown. Faulty ideologies, futile schemes, phony securities, lots of that. 
But in Jesus, in him, how wonderful, how marvelous that our God does not give up. He sows the seed, the gospel of salvation for all. So we say, delight in the seed. Take joy in the seed. Tend it, nourish it, sow it, open it. The first S is the seed. Next up is the problematic component in the parable, the soil. Whereas the seed is steady and good and empowered, uh, the soil is the undependable part of the equation. Now, in the parable, Jesus has four kinds of soil he talks about, right? He talks about the, uh, the unguarded soil that's just busy and beaten down and packed and the seed can't really get in there and the birds snatch it. And then he talks a little bit about the rocky soil, soil that the seed maybe can't penetrate, it can't hold any moisture, it's just not going to happen there. Then he talks about the, the weedy soil, the soil that maybe accepts the seed, it get, it's, gets going a bit, but eh, pretty soon the, the lure of wealth and the cares of the world choke it all out. And then he talks a little about the good soil, soil that has some room, that's, that's maybe being uh, prepared a little bit, soil that's ready. Well, as we think about this, I think we know that you and I cannot manufacture the seed, and we don't have to. The Lord provides the seed in Jesus, his Son. But we can do a little cultivation. If we have any part in this, it's that we can, we can help the soil a bit. Now, this isn't the right time of the year here in Minnesota to do that when it's negative 25 degrees uh, wind chill out there. So maybe there's a, a parallel that sometimes you've got to wait a bit. Maybe sometimes the ground's got to thaw. But Christians can cultivate. In fact, part of our biblical assignment is to prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, make his soil plots ready. If one of the things you would like to see happen in 2018 is a stronger faith by you, or maybe even a start on faith by someone else, uh, think and pray about how you can cultivate a little bit, how you can help. Let's, let's try this. I'm going to see if I can get Lutherans to uh, raise their hands and worship a little bit. Um, how many of you read the Bible apart from in church? Anybody want to? Oh, look at all those hands. Very good. How many of you are in maybe a, a growth group or a Bible study or something like that? Oh, again, a lot of, so, so that means the seeds are being sown into a receptive plot, and God's going to accomplish good things. How about this one? How many of you know someone who is not a believer? Should be pretty much every hand, I would think. How many of you know someone whose life is hard? I mean, hard physically, spiritually, financially. Okay, seeds need to be flung. People need hope and life. Okay, we can do a bit. Soil prep, you might say. Now, I suppose some might be wondering, will it work? 
will it work? If the seed is sown, if we do our part and try to help a little bit, will they root and grow and blossom and produce? And the honest answer is sometimes. Sometimes. There is no simple human-manipulated formula. I mean, why is it that some people believe and worship and serve and some do not? That's a tough one. I wish I could explain that. I have two brothers. Neither of my brothers attends church at all. I became a pastor, raised by the same faithful, good parents. I can't explain it. There's some mystery, some things beyond our explaining, but that doesn't stop us from doing what we can do. Here's a little mystery for you to think about. This is for you uh, fellow math nerds. It involves a three and a one. Here we go. So those three deer hunters, they check into a motel. They're a little cheap. I'm not saying they're Lutherans, but they're a little cheap. So they get one room to share, and it's 30 bucks. So they each pay 10 bucks. They got their room. A couple hours later, the owner of the motel stops in to the desk clerk and says, oh, you made a mistake. There's a Christmas special going on. The room was only $25. So he gives the guy the $5 and says, you take that back to those guys. So he's walking down to the room, and he's kind of thinking, how am I going to do this? It's a little messy, $5, three guys. So he thinks, well, I'll just give each of them $1. They'll be happy, and I'll, I'll pocket the other two. So he does this. So now those three hunters have each paid $9, right? They got a dollar back. Nine times three is 27. And he put two in his pocket. Oh, where's that other dollar? <laughs> well, it might make your head scratch a little bit, but not as much as wondering why is it sometimes the seed works and some not. But I don't want you to fret about that. Because though we know the seed is good, though we know we can do some soil work, the greatest and best part of this parable is the sower. The parable starts, the sower went out to sow. I mean, picture that. He's just flinging them seeds. He's scattering far and near. He's not calculating whether you're good, whether you're worth it, whether you do, he's just flinging the blessings, scattering out the truth. Maybe you can picture him whistling, happily anticipating the great harvest. The Lord is the sower, and he's flinging the seed, and he never flags. He flings, not flags. And how I love that news, how we need that news that you don't have to sit and fret under the weight of worrying, you know, will there be a harvest? Will it all work out? Have a little faith. God never gives up. He's going to keep sowing. He's going to keep flinging his blessings to us, sometimes through us, to all. And so at this end of this year and whatever the years the Lord has for us, we know God is good and he's going to stay at it and we are his. And God's people respond, 
Amen.